Well, you want to turn in your Bibles. We're going to be in Proverbs chapter 4 this morning. It's going to be our central verse. We're also going to be going through a lot more of the Proverbs this morning, just pointing out different things about the central one that we're going to be going into in just a few minutes. And we're going to be talking about looking where we are going and considering the different um, things that can bring us off of the path of God. And today is week five of six in our journey of going through what this biblical book of Proverbs has to say about our path and our journey that we take in life and the, the walk that we take with God. It's notable, as I was researching this week, that there are 29 times in the book of Proverbs that mentions something about being on a path. Here are just a couple. In Proverbs 1.15, Solomon is warning us about buddying up to people with questionable morals. When he said, my son, do not go along with them and do not set a foot upon their paths. That's given an example of a path we don't want to take. Then in Proverbs 2 verse 9, Solomon talks about following the way of wisdom. When he said that then you will understand what is right and just and fair. Every good path. That's the path that we want to choose. That's the path we want to be on. A few weeks ago, we, pro we studied Proverbs 3, verse 6, when it said that in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Definitely the path we want to be on, walking hand in hand with God. And in Proverbs 4, 26, he adds a little nuance or supplemental principle to the principle that we've been learning so far. When he says to make level paths for your feet, and take only the ways that are firm. And if you've been with us for most of this series, you'll know that the principles that are true geographically, in, in other words, if we take a left at Quick Trip, we go north. That's, that's a geographical truth. is also true in life. And the principles that we have learned so far is that our direction determines our destination. That seems to be pretty self-evident we talk about uh, traveling this road with God. If, if we are pointed in the right direction, we're going to get to the destination we really want to. And this morning I want to build on that with a, a thought to add a little bit of a qualifier, if you will, to that statement. And the slight qualifier I want to make is that it's what you put your attention on that determines your direction and ultimately is going to determine your destination. So what we put our attention on determines our direction. Let me illustrate this a little. Anybody travel on the interstates? I travel on the interstate quite a bit. You know that they passed a law a few years ago prohibiting people from talking on cell phones without some sort of hands-free device, particularly if you're a commercial driver. You're not supposed to be talking on the cell phone at all unless you have a hands-free device. And they did that because they understood that if you're driving down the road, particularly if you're driving a large truck, you want your attention to be on the road. You don't want it to be on a five-inch screen, the road, five-inch screen, road. Oh, look at that on the five-inch screen. <coughs> Boom, crash. And if you drive a large truck, that crash could definitely hurt or kill somebody. So... 
they made this law to make sure that our attention was always on the road so we would get to the destination we desired. Well, Solomon taught us that 3,000 years ago in the book of Proverbs. And here's his whole statement on, it, in, on this subject of attention. In Proverbs 4.25, he said, Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Make level paths for your feet. And take only ways that are firm. Do not swerve to the left or the right. Or, and keep your foot from evil. So let's pray. Father God, I know that many of us want to be on the path that you would have us to walk. Most of us want to walk hand in hand with you through the gates of heaven one day. But Father, this world has a lot of things it throws at us, trying to dissuade us to get off this path. There's exits on this road that can lead to our destruction. So I ask, Father, that you take the teachings that we see in your word and implant them in our minds so that our heart will always be willing to choose you. Lord, I ask this in your name. Amen. Amen. So we're going to explore this principle a little bit more. Another way of saying the scripture is what we've been saying for the last few minutes, is that our destination is determined by our direction. And our direction is dictated by whatever holds our attentions. And today we're going to get to the heart of the matter when it comes to our journeying down this road or this path that God has for us. And when I say heart of the matter, I'm actually being very literal. We're going to be looking at what the source of what chooses our paths for us, which is our hearts. It's our desires. It's what points our direction and our attention towards specific things. An example, going back to the interstate. Have you ever been going down the, ro the road for a long period of time? And everything's good, you're listening to the radio, you kind of get into that driving haze you get into, and you're maybe you're singing on the radio or you're listening to an audiobook, whatever you do as you drive down the road, and everything's fine. You're not thirsty, you're not hungry, you don't have to go to the bathroom, everything's just good. And as you around the corner, you see a giant sign for McDonald's. And you see the Big Mac, just juicy, looking at you, the large fries, the, the shake, or, or whatever, you know, at McDonald's that, that you might want to, to go and buy. And all of a sudden, your stomach rumbles. All of a sudden, you can't think of anything better than going to McDonald's and getting a Big Mac. And a mile later, you click your right turn signal and you get off on that exit because you just can't live without McDonald's anymore. Another way God gives us signs and to grab our attention is through the events of our life. Sometimes those signs are the, the things that, that want us to exit the road of God. Sometimes life gives us um, different ones to tell us that we're supposed to take a different path. In 2012, I suffered a major knee injury. I tore my meniscus, my ACL, popped it right off, and had to go in for knee surgery. 
And when I, before I went in, the doctor said, he goes, well, I know you're a paramedic and you kind of do firefighting on the side. He goes, yeah, those days are over. You'll never be a paramedic again, never be a firefighter again. And I kind of got a little mad at that, and I said, I'll be back on the job in three months. And God gave me grace, and I was back on the job in three months. They gave me a brand new ACL, it was a donor tissue. I think it was from a woman. All of a sudden, I love chocolate. I cry at movies. Never did that before. Love Lifetime TV. Can't get enough of it. I don't know. I'm just kidding. Um, I even threw away uh, paramedic and firefighter and I became a nurse. I mean, I... <laughs> that sign influenced my direction in life. You know, God showed me, I'll give you a few more years, but sooner or later, you're going to have to do something a little less physical. So I went to nurse. But what captures our attention does influence our direction, doesn't it? Attention, direction, and destination. That's a principle of the path in three words. As your attention goes, so does your life. And that is why Solomon told us, let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Make level paths through your feet. Take only ways that are firm. Do not swerve to the left or the right and keep your foot from evil. So, so far we've placed two verbs in the front of attention. One is a positive, something that, that can capture our attention. The other one is negative, something that grabs our attention. If something has to force your attention, if something just grabs a hold of you and, and feels like it won't let go, that's usually a negative in life. If you think about it, something, sin will usually come and grab you. Whereas God gives you the choice to capture your attention, but he's not grabbing you and trying to pull you away. It leads me to another two verbs I want to give you. Besides grab attention and capture attention, you can choose to give your attention and you can choose to pay attention. Now, these are important words. It's not just wordplay. These are important because these are willful decisions that we make for ourselves. There is, but there is a catch when we make these decisions. And that is our emotions tend to fuel the things that grab our attention. We can be emotional and make the wrong decision. We can make a, be very emotional and head down the wrong path because we're not thinking clearly. We're not, we're not thinking with our minds. We're thinking with our hearts. And the second little point here is that intentionality tends to fuel what you pay and give attention to. So if you allow your heart to determine this, it will almost always lead you on the wrong path. And every path that leads to disaster or destruction, there's something powerful and emotionally engaging. There's something that literally grabs you by the heart and pulls you into an exit you don't want to go to. Thomas Kramer, who was the Archbishop of Canterbury in the 1400s, put it this way. It's one of my favorite sayings. What the heart loves, the will chooses. And then the mind will justify it. What the heart loves, the will chooses, and the mind will justify it for you. 
That's so true of the human condition. It's true in my life, and it's true in so many other people that, I've, that I talk to. And it totally agrees with our central verse this morning. Remember, Solomon said, let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Make level paths through your feet and take only ways that are firm. Do not swerve to the right or the left and keep your foot from evil. And this is why we have to be very cautious, very careful with the choices we make and the manner in which we make them. What is making this decision? Is it something in our heart? Is it something in our mind? Or is it something in our spirit? It's also why Proverbs warns us in Proverbs 20 or 4.23, above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. That word wellspring, that's not something we say today. Wellspring speaks of the source of all life, the source of water, the source of the very thing that nourishes you. The source of the very thing that drives you. It's talking about who you are at the center core of your being. That is your wellspring. And if you allow your heart to be drawn away, that wellspring starts producing water that will not sustain you in a godly fashion. The heart's the center of it all. Even then Adam were led into sin because their hearts desired what Satan was offering them. Romans 10.10 tells us that it is with the heart we believe and are justified. It is also with the heart that we are drawn away and sin. It's all about our heart. That's why we need to check our hearts when we consider what direction this heart choice is going to lead us. And what the destination will be if we choose to get off on this exit, if you will, and travel down that other road. I also remind you what we learned about our heart last week and the week before from Jeremiah 17.9. That the heart is deceitful above all else and desperately sick. That is God's opinion of the human heart. So what you give your heart to determines your direction. And your direction determines your destination. So as we consider all of this, let me ask you some questions. What has your heart this, today? Where is your attention lying? Where is your heart leading you? Is it into a relationship, either good or bad? Is it a different career, a house? None of these are necessarily good or bad. Maybe it's an enjoyable pastime. Maybe you're sitting here thinking, I wish you'd get done so I can get out in the woods and go hunt deer. I, I get that. I love deer hunting too. Maybe there's a person, though, that is leading you somewhere where you really don't want to go. Maybe it's a person leading you to something you want to do, but you really shouldn't do. Is your heart leading you into a stronger marriage? Is your heart leading you into taking care of your children better and raising them up in the faith? Is it an achievement that you're hoping to accomplish soon? What has your attention today? And not all these are bad, as I said. It's okay to want a good home. It's okay to want a good hobby. 
But sometimes other things can lead on a path of destruction. And even something that sounded good at the beginning, Satan may have pulled, showed you something great in the beginning, but he didn't show you what was behind that curtain. And it turned out to be something that was meant for your destruction. So what captures or grabs our attention or what we cho choose to pay or give attention to is going to determine our direction. And that direction determines our destination. So here's a second question. What do you want to have your what do you want to have your attention? What thing in life do you say, if I could have my attention 110% focused on this very one thing, what would it be? Well, five weeks into this series, I want to make this suggestion to you. Follow what Paul said. After listing off a whole lot of positive things that he had going for him, went to the best Bible school, born to the best tribe in Israel, a Hebrew of Hebrews, a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He said, as a matter of fact, when it came to legalistic righteousness, when it came to following the 613 tenants found in the law, he was faultless. He was perfect in his obedience. Then he met Christ. And he said, all that is rubbish. And then when he, he went on to say his new approach to life is this forgetting what is behind, and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So are we pressing into that this morning? Because Paul followed all that up with saying that those of us who are mature in the faith should take such a view of the things. Author of Hebrews says that we must pay more careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. I don't know what everybody is going through right now. I don't know where your hearts are. I know that sometimes we go through peaks and valleys in our relationship with God. Maybe some of you are in one of those valleys right now. Maybe you've drifted away a little bit from the faith, and you're wondering how, how did this happen? How did I get here? What happened because of this principle of where you're putting your attention, where you put your eyes, where you put your heart, and then following that thing when you know it wasn't from God. Here's what you do, need to do to stay on the right path spiritually. Hebrews 12, 2 and 3. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful man, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. I like that, that verb, fix. It means to grab on and hold on tight. It means to make permanent something that is only um, temporary right now. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Don't swerve to the left. Don't swerve to the right. Don't allow your eyes to wander. That's my suggestion for you. 
Don't let your heart or attention be captured by lesser things here on this earth. You can't bring it with you. And sometimes you have to ask yourself, a billion, billion years from now, is this thing that I want so bad going to matter? I got to be honest with you. I really, really want some Samsung earbuds right now. But they're almost $200. So I can't, I can't justify spending that money. Because they're nice. They fit in your ears. You can wear them all day. They cancel out other noise. So you can concentrate on what you want to listen to. But I also know that they're way too expensive. I got bills to pay. So I'm not allowing my heart to draw me into wanting to buy something I know I don't absolutely need. This is how the early Christians lived. And when the persecutions were beginning, an unknown saint wrote a song that described the path that Jesus took. And the Apostle Paul used this song in his epistle to the church at Philippi. And the song went like this. Jesus, being in the very nature God, did not regard equality with God something to be grasped. But he made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Now listen to this next part, though. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The Apostle Paul recorded this song for us in his letter to the church of Philippi, because he wanted to, us to know that everything that has a knee will bow that knee to Jesus sooner or later. Someday there will be a new heaven and earth, and those new heaven and earth we learned about that we will be living on, but there will be some under the earth also. And even there, at the name of Jesus, they'll bow. Under the earth is not a direction anyone here wants to pursue. We don't want to have our path lead us there. A few weeks ago we learned that the prudent see danger and take refuge, but the simple keep going and pay the penalty. And that is the danger when it comes to walking these paths and taking these exits that God doesn't want us to take. If you pursue anything less than Jesus, you may end up bowing your knee before him from a destination you never wanted to arrive at. And that's why Hebrews 12.2 says, Fix your eyes on Jesus. Jesus is the path to heaven. He is the path to our fulfillment. He is our path to purpose, our path to where we want to go, which is to run in to the arms of God one day and hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Jesus himself said it this way, I am the way, I am the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father 
except through me. You know that Greek word for the word way when Jesus said, I am the way? It's the same word for path. Jesus is saying, I am the path. Follow me. Walk in me and you will see the Father. Because whatever you give your attention to, whatever you give your heart toward, will determine your direction. And whatever direction you head will determine where you wind up. We have choices in life. He doesn't take that away from us when we become believers. We can follow Jesus or we can follow something else. Which one will we choose today? In his epic story called A Pilgrim's Progress, John Bunyan wrote an allegory about a man walking a road to heaven. It's kind of written in Old English. I, I like that kind of stuff. And it's a great book because at every turn, he has a choice to make. Suddenly he comes to an exit or another road coming off of this road to heaven, and it might be fame. He finds another road that might be sexuality. He comes to another road that might be riches. All these things try to get him off of the path to get to heaven and compromise his ability to see God. Well, that allegory was written about life. The path to heaven has many exits, many tempting signs showing us whatever our version of the Big Mac is to try to get us to take those exits and find your fulfillment in something here on this earth and then miss Jesus. Jesus. 